They said it was forbidden. They said it was dangerous. They were right. Introducing the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual. Dive into the arcane, into the hidden corners of the occult. This isn't just a comic. It's a hidden tome of supernatural power. All original artwork illustrating the groundbreaking research of Juan Ayala, one of the only living homunculologists of our time. Learn how to summon your own homunculus, an enigma wrapped in the fabric of reality itself, their power at your fingertips, their existence, your secret. Explore the mysteries of the Aristotelian, the spiritual, the Paracelsian, the Crowleyan homunculus, ancient knowledge lost to time, now unearthed in this forbidden tale. This comic book holds truths not meant for the light of day, knowledge that was buried, feared, and shunned. Are you ready to uncover the hidden, the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual, not for the faint of heart, available now from Paranoid American. Get your copy at tjojp.com or paranoidamerican.com today. What's wrong, bro? Somebody on the internet said something that shattered what I've always thought about reality. And as hard as I tried, my butt cheeks start to close that gap. For real, bro? What'd they say? Did they say that yoga was created by Satan and everyone that does the downward facing dog toast blood to the goddess Isis? No, no, no. That can't be it, Sean. It has to be that the earth is round, spiraling into oblivion. Because if there's a god, he can only have us trapped in an upside down fishbowl because only we matter and he's so limited, he couldn't have created anything else but mankind. It's getting tighter. And no, they didn't say that. Then it had to be Project Bluebeam. Someone said everything we see is a hologram. Definitely Bluebeam. No, it's not that. Oh, I know. Are you thinking what I'm thinking, Sean? Homunculus. They said that there's no such thing. And now I can't stop my butt cheeks from tightening up. They're still getting tighter. What do I do? Do Do what we do, Juan. What's that? Have an open mind and don't get mad when someone else's ideology is different than yours. It's that... that simple? Yeah, it's that simple, Juan. Just let it go. Feels so much better. So I can think differently than someone and not get my butt cheeks tight? Yeah, bro. And you'll find you will learn so much more by having an open mind. Thanks, guys. And remember, open minds, open cheeks.
welcome back to another episode of the Shadow Band Syndicate. I'm one of your hosts, one of your beautiful hosts. How do I look, guys? I look good. Got the fresh cut. You know what I'm saying? Fresh, fresh. You know what I'm saying? I'm trying. I'm trying to look like Joel, bro. I'm trying to transcend that next dimension with the bald head. But I know he like does. Do you use a razor blade, bro? Like, how do you get your head so shiny, dog? Like, how do you, how do you do it? I use a razor blade. Yeah. Nice. I'm gonna do it one day. But welcome to another episode. Follow me on social media at the One One Podcast. And where can people find you, two lovely homunculus? <laughs> kill the mockingbirds podcast on instagram kill the mockingbirds on telegram and kill the mockingbirds on all your platforms for podcasting consumption nice i like that and today we're gonna be talking about somebody who talked about the language of the birds so i think it's relevant and we're gonna be talking about folk and nelly and i and i'd be interested to see what you guys were able to dig up on this enigmatic guy because when I came across Falconelli, it was obviously doing research on the homunculus and Paracelsus and Paracelsus, because there's there's a connection between last week's episode on Ascension, which got some butt cheeks tight. It did get some people tight on on YouTube. We were pronouncing some words wrong. <laughs> there was some some they comments. Mercabellus or the the Mercabellus or something like that. They were <laughs> Mercabellium. Hey. Yeah. And for those cheeks. Just so they know, we didn't say it wrong. We actually said it the Hebrew way of saying it. It is Merkaba. But are you, you Hebrew, Joel? Are you Hebrew? Like I'm not what? Hebrew, but I did actually look this up. Canceled. I know. I'm not Hebrew, know. but I did stay at a Holiday Inn last night, so can <laughs> <laughs> <Didn't> say that. <laughs> so we got some butt cheeks tight. We also did get some cheeks tight on the the reel that Joel posted, which I mean, people were just just tearing us a new one really <laughs> and i was having a bad day that day so it was like, it was the, i usually don't care which is fine right because you're gonna like whatever ideology you have somebody else is gonna have the opposite oh, and yeah. it's fine we're in this space where we're putting our ideas out there we're doing research you're gonna get things wrong according to other people and vice versa right so when somebody comes out and says something negative it's okay it's i take it as constructive criticism i take that energy and i and I transmute it and I use it for other things. But on whatever you posted, I was having a bad day because I got striked on on YouTube, of course, by the lizard people. And I just wasn't feeling it that day. And those those comments were kind of getting my cheeks tight a little bit. You know what I mean? Hey, it was really funny, though, Sean, because Juan hits me up. and He was like, man, I'm about to rage. And he's like, man, is this, you guys see this a lot? I was like, bro, this is like this is like minor like we get it like rammed like 24 7 like people love coming at us and for anybody that doesn't know what we were talking about i took a clip from our last shadow band syndicate episode shadow band syndicate episode where we were talking about yoga being connected to the new age and the occult and people went off because i put that clip up there just to you know see what people would say and you know you want to see some like constructive stuff set back right like oh no well this is cool here or this is cool no it was straight up just people railing on us because one of the guys that juan was talking about was a catholic priest and immediately it was like diddling boys and this whole thing and that's where they went with it and like we're just talking about yoga you guys went to a whole different level yeah. of stuff that we weren't even talking about but we always encourage people to go listen to the podcast because you get the full context of what we're talking about like when we post stuff 
clearly we put stuff up there for you guys to go check out the episode. That's part of it. We want you to like, like let your brain like circulate a little bit. What is he talking about there? But if you get mad, Sean and I and, and now Juan is used to it. So uh, yeah, it's all good. But I will say that uh, the hashtags kind of led it to the Instagram yogi world. So that's also part of it. Like we got a lot of the <laughs> yoga people, like a lot of the people didn't even follow us. They were just like, what'd you say about yoga, bro? What'd you say, bro? Like, man, I'll downward up you right now, bro. And I'm like, damn, dog, like getting a little, getting a little freaky up in here, man. Like, but those people make me laugh. I love it, man. Like those, the, those are like the people that call us shills and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I, I love it. I'm just like another one. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> it's coming back and forth. It's it's part of the territory, though. Like, you know how it is in this day and age. It doesn't matter if you're talking about conspiracies or you're talking about sports. Anything you're talking about, you're going to get someone that goes, oh, really? Like, <laughs> there's all those people, man. I love it, man. It's like the uh, uh, Springfield on The Simpsons, the town halls. You know what I mean? You're just rabble, 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 rabble in the South Park. Rabble, 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 rabble. So we're going to have fun with this one today. Hopefully nobody says anything negative about it, which I'm sure somebody will find something to complain about. But we're going to be talking about Folconelli. And long story short, I'm going to save everybody an hour and a half of their lives. What do we know about Folconelli? Absolutely nothing. So <laughs> there's the episode. Tune in next month for the next one. No, I'm kidding. So the way I was introduced to this concept was through re researching the homunculus and Paracelsus. Paracelsus. I was actually listening to Manly P. Hall. That's when I first heard it. And then diving into Paracelsus work was when I, when I uh, saw another reference to it because he's the one that's, that's that they attribute this Paracelsian Theophrastian Messiah. And that's Elias Artista, which is the, the, their Rosicrucian Messiah. And he was talking about how this, artist will come and he will liberate the world he will transmute the actual world and the universe into a golden age now this is from the 16th century so some people say oh he was talking about some linear alignment in the sky etc etc saturn and gatorade and and conjunction with whatever etc all this mumbo jumbo astrology stuff that i don't know anything about but that's what they attribute it to but when i first heard manly p hall talking about it he talked about it how it was and for, for, to put it in terms that you guys will know is this ascended master type of being who, once you achieve the magnum opus, you're able to transcend dimensions. Cause we're going to also be talking about one of my favorite subjects today, alchemy. And part of the magnum opus is being able to dissolve out of this reality into the next one. And to put it in terms that you guys will understand this ascended master, once you're on the right track, will kind of sort of. He is in the bowels of the universe and reality, and he will peek his head out through the cheeks of reality at times and open up and go, hey, Sean, you're doing a good job, brother. And then he'll peace back out and he'll always be there. You don't know when he whenever he's going to come out, but he'll always be there. So he's this this interdimensional teacher, if you will, this right like Luke Skywalker in Star Wars when when he is talking to people with his psychic projection and and you know what I'm saying like you guys saw the new Star Wars you know what I'm talking about yeah, Where he's I able to like whatever he's able to like actually project and talk to the girl somehow or another anyways he's able to tap into the force same way this guy's able to tap into reality itself right so yeah your, your cheeks and <laughs> this Elias Artista guy is said to from the way I understood it was there's various ones. So 
during the centuries, there will be only a handful of alchemists that will achieve the magnum opus. Fulcanelli allegedly being one of these people that this is as recent as the 19th century. So for, I'm sorry, the 20th century. This is as recent as the 20th century. And for those that think that alchemy goes back into ancient times, Renaissance era, no, this was <laughs> the people that were formed before the CIA came into play were looking for this guy. Okay. Literally a hundred years ago. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yes. Like it's not that long ago. No, it's not that long ago. That's why they call him the last alchemist. And I've got a whole bunch of notes here, but that's when I first came across this idea of the, cause in, in, in alchemy, there are a few things that you can do as far as working your way towards it. And what I love about it is that it's a philosophical, spiritual and literal subject. And we can go any which way with this, but some people will say, oh, look, they're just talking in, in code, which that could also be it. But you know, there's always that one Florida man that's going to try whatever it is that they're saying. They're going to try it in real life to see, <laughs> to see what happens. Right. So right. did you, did you have anything else to add Joel or, or Sean? I got something real quick. When I, as soon as you told me about this subject, this is all I heard. Is Unsolved mystery, man. I had no idea. <laughs> it, 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 but going into him, it, uh, it's a good thing. They were talking about like 1926. So yeah. when I hear that, that's literally 100 years, less than 100 yeah. years. So to your point, I just wanted to emphasize that this is not that long ago. It's not some 15th century or like, you know, beginning of time. It's just still going on. And I'm sure a lot that, that just proves that a lot of this occultic alchemy stuff is still going on a hundred percent. Yeah. I think, you know, a lot of stuff that I was seeing, um, his biggest tie that I was seeing a lot of was, uh, Eugene Concelia. That was his yeah. adept and Eugene from all accounts that now, now there's, you there's different French. people that think different things about this. Some people think that he was Falconelli, that he was just creating Falconelli as a almost like a uh, a pseudonym to mm -hmm. cover what he was doing, right? So that was one of one of the things they were talking about. I mean, they always talk they talk about Falconelli, you know, turned uh, what was it, lead into gold twice. But again, Conciliat was there when he did it, and that was kind of like the the mirage. I think in some ways, if you're just going from a base level, it could be that Eugene was just making up this character of Falconelli as his master as well. I'm not saying that's the case because I've got a other, bunch of other rabbit holes that could totally say that Falconelli was real too. But some people think that maybe that he was writing the books, the two books that were published, and then there was a third that never got published, mm -hmm. that he was the one that actually wrote those and put those out because there was like a little secret society they had too. It was the uh, brothers of Heliopolis uh, that they that they had. And again, there was Eugene as being kind of the forefront of this whole thing, and Fulcanelli being in the shadows. Uh, maybe I don't know. I, I think it's at least a thought to think about that maybe he was using this uh, this figurehead as an overarching character so he could do a lot of these things mm -hmm. behind closed doors uh, that maybe he wouldn't be able to do without that. And to have a witness, right? Like you have an automatic witness. If you're make up a character, 
and then you're the witness that like is pretty convenient. But it kind of reminded when it, that I was kind of seeing the lead to gold thing. It reminded me of Bitcoin and Satoshi, right? Nobody knows who Satoshi yep. is and this mystery. And that kind of reminded me of the same alchemy. I know it's digital currency, but it just kind of for some reason I found like a correlation with that. This mystery person that could change, you know, lead into gold. So yeah, it's still money magic, Computer. Sean. Yeah, it's still money magic. It. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And the the link between last week's episode and this one is Elias Artista is linked to Elijah, and Elijah is linked to Enoch. And I know we talked about ascension and ascending in the chariot last 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 month, right? Last episode. So there's that that connection there that, that they link it to Elijah, and then Elijah is Enoch or Idris, whichever one that you want to pick. But there's that connection. Now, I wanted to start with the there's different things you can do in alchemy. One of them being the elixir of life, one of them being the homunculus, one of them being the androgen, the, the divine androgen. And there's different things that you can do. There's the philosopher's stone, right? And the elixir of life needs the philosopher's stone. And this is what they are, they're always working for. And even and for those that don't believe that this is still going on. Jeff Bezos, there was a, an article that I pulled up not too long ago that it was talking about Jeff Bezos looking for the elixir of life. Mm. Jeff Bezos looking for elixir of life. So this is, this, these are things that the elites know about. It's, it's just a different, under a different name, if you will. And let me pull it up here so people can see it. And of course, here we go. So we have First space, now immortality. Jeff Bezos reportedly invests in eternal life startup, Altos Labs. So these dudes are just that. They're the modern alchemists of today. And as Manly P. Hall says, the alchemist replaces his, his cave with four walls and just a modern day laboratory. And he was talking about that in the 1920s, which I, I, had, a, I had a crazy idea. So I'm going to... Because I have my own ideas of who Falconelli was and who he might have been. And I agree with you, Joel. I do believe that there is some hoax going on. So we have here the late 19th century. Falconelli is believed to have been born in France in the late 19th century, although the exact date and location and birth are unknown. So we're talking about, obviously, a pseudonym. The etymology of Falconelli means little volcano. And it makes you think because it goes to the god Vulcan, all right, the, the god of, of blacksmithing. And it makes you wonder because when you start to look into the occult, I start to see it in Hollywood. When you think of Agent Smith, how he's able to transcend this dimension and kind of pop up wherever Neo is, that takes on a whole new meaning. Like, oh, Agent Smith, like blacksmith, Vulcan. Vul and, and Falconelli means little volcano. The the alchemist needs the furnace right that's part of the process of alchemy in order to achieve the magnum opus and Consolier had the little the little paper the little notebook that he kept in his pocket that supposedly had turned brown from all the heat of the furnace that he had gone from all those years of trying to achieve the magnum opus and they also talked about how paracelsus he also had all his robes were burned up in the front because supposedly they were in front of this this heat all the time this furnace so that's how i came across it it was through manly p hall then through through research of paracelsus and there's i was so 
this is a modern mystery because there are so many different characters at play. And whenever I come across something that has so many different players, I always get confused because of all the names. So I want to lay out who some of these people are. So you have, and it, it, it's Joel, it's, it's Eugena. It's, it's, you know, Eugene, that's the French equivalent. So Eugena, bro. All right. If you, if you don't know how to say it, don't say it at all. Okay. <laughs> so for those in the comments are like, no, you guys are both saying it wrong. Well, tell us how to say it. But anyways, <laughs> I'm just messing with you, but it's, it's, it's French. So it's Eugena or, or Ruget, Eugena, whatever, who cares? So there's him. And then there's Julian Champagn, which is his counterpart, which I believe he was 20 years older than him. And Consaliet met Falconelli through a servant when he was about 16 years old. Now, him and Champagne had created a secret society, if you will, right? The Brothers of Heliopolis. And let me try and follow my timeline here. In 1925, but before this, in 1922, Falconelli had was said to have achieved his magnum opus and he disappeared out of this reality. He peaced out. In 1926, they published The Mystery of the Cathedrals, which Folk, that's what Falconelli, that's his magnum opus. That's what he's known for. And for those that don't know about that book, I'm halfway through it. I haven't finished reading that book. But essentially what he gets into is, and I have a whole bunch of stuff here that I'm not even following my, my notes. Essentially, let me find it here. What he gets into is that on the cathedrals is the is the secret to the philosopher's stone. So it's hidden in plain sight. And this is what it was all about. Only the initiated know what to look for and where to look for. So what a better way than to hide something right in front of someone's eyes. And the reason for the reason for why somebody would do this is remember when you're talking about secret and occulted societies, such as these of the alchemists that only the power could only be in the hands of a few, it's going to die within that secret society because they're not initiating anybody else. So what a better way than to preserve it by putting it on these, what they called textbooks. These cathedrals were books in stone. Greek, the Greeks look at, looked at their, their buildings as algorithms incarnated, right? There were mathematical algorithms, numbers incarnated. So right here. No, and I want to jump on what you just said too about, <clears throat> about some of this alchemical language. Um, Falconelli talks about the uh, phonetic Kabbalah and how that it's more uh, symphonic and homophonic in the sense of they're making sounds and almost musical type of words um, from their mouth. Now, when I was reading about this one, it actually made me think about, you know, we talk about things in media that they slide in to let us know what's going on in the world. Uh, and a matter of fact, I put Sean on this. I don't know if he started it yet. I'm really big into comic book um, audio podcasts. They're, they're really well done. Uh, Marvel does some really? of them. DC just started doing them. Uh, Marvel's uh, Wastelanders is really good. It's It takes place in a world where 
it's 30 years after basically the the evil one so all of your avengers are dead pretty for the most part uh most of the x-men are dead this is 30 years later uh dr doom red skull um and uh, uh who's the other one i can't remember anyway it's three of them and they take over the u.s well when this happens dr doom doesn't really take over he actually gets all of his bones broken by the hulk and his uh his assistant throws dr doom into a into a like force field pit to, to trap him and takes over his persona to rule this middle part of the u.s during this time doom learned this language from these monks and he he had learned it but he had to reteach himself how to speak it and it took him 30 years to reteach himself how to speak it to regain this alchemical power because you know anything about dr doom he's like one of the top magicians in the world he's actually he actually held the title uh doc uh what is it uh dr strange's title for a while as well and took out thanos at one point. really yeah so dr doom's like He's ridiculous, but he reteaches himself this alchemical language. And I can't remember what he called it in the show, but when we were, t- we were talking about this uh, phonetic Kabbalah and I was like, oh man, that that's what he's doing right there. It's this language. Cause he even speaks about how it's not actual words and consonants. It, and he starts doing it. And it's like this weird, like, like almost sounded like something guttural that didn't make any sense at all, but like he said, Anokian. no, this was a language and it, and it was the, it was the, uh, the essence of magic that people didn't understand. But yeah, man, it was so crazy. And uh, it just, I just tied those dots together. I'm like, man, they're always showing us in media. They're always showing us in, and just like the radio show I'm listening to, you know what I mean? They're telling you about alchemical languages and how important they are. Um, and and they're, the, they're the fabric of magic. Yeah, and it's the language of the birds, right? This is what he referred the green language, mm-hmm. and it's it's got a it's he relates it to Enoch and Adam and all these things. And we have here, I found the the notes because my notes are everywhere. And the hardest pe- the the hardest part for people to know is when you're putting together a presentation. The hardest part is compiling and structuring all your information. And for those that really want to know more about this subject, better than I could at least ever present it. I found a few different books that are phenomenal. My favorite one so far being The Morning of the Magicians, Secret Societies, Conspiracies, and Vanished Civilization, which Jack Bergier, which is one of the ones that encountered Falconelli, was also part of that book when it was written. There is The Morning of the Magicians. You have The the Philosopher, not, not that one, Falconelli in the Alchemical Revival, The Man Behind the Mystery of the Cathedrals. You have The Falconelli Phenomenon, I also found some stuff on academia in Spanish because a lot of people in Spain really dig it and I can read Spanish. So I was able to read that. Uh, I'd go so to Falconelli. And then we have here the Falcon. I already said the Falconelli phenomenon. And there's another one, obviously the mystery of the cathedrals. And I haven't read the dwelling of the philosophers. I do have a copy of it, but that's the second book. And we have the Falconelli phenomenon, the story of the 20th century alchemist. A whole bunch of different good books on it and also i interviewed jay widener and jay widener covers it in the the mysteries of the great cross of hende he talks a lot about falconelli in that as well because that cross 
also Falconelli also talked about it. And I did interview him about that book on my show episode something. I forgot what episode it is, but the, it goes on to hear uh, to say it has long been believed that the Gothic cathedrals were secret text books of some hidden knowledge that behind the gargoyles, et cetera, et cetera. And let's see here. It has long been believed that the uh, were secret textbooks behind the gargoyles and the glyphs, the rose windows and the flying buttresses, a mighty secret lay all but openly displayed. And again, that wasn't a new concept. You have, who was it that had it on the Nicholas Flamel on this? He was a philanthropist and he was supposedly able to give to people because he had figured out how to create the philosopher's stone. Therefore he could make unlimited amounts of gold. And on one of the, the cemeteries that he had helped build, he had put it on supposedly on the entrance of it, the secret of the philosopher's stone, but you're only going to be able to know what they're talking about. If you're initiated the same thing with the mystery of the cathedrals, you you're, you're able to read it but there's something behind the reading that you need to decipher. So you need to be initiated or read it over and over again until you finally get, I, I don't know, but essentially it's written in code. And the reason for the secrecy in alchemy, you ask Sean, right? Cause I know Sean's is, is curious about this is because back then, similar to how we're being hunted today on these social media platforms, right? I got pinged on YouTube. When you say certain words and together with one another, you get pinged by the algorithm. Well, back then you were pinged by the church and you were literally burned at the stake for saying certain things. If you were accused of being a witch, you'd be burned at the stake. If you were accused of being an alchemist, you were a threat to the crown because only the crown could have unlimited amounts of gold. And it sounds very similar to today and the federal reserve, how they're able to quite literally make money out of thin air. So in order to combat that, the alchemists needed to learn cryptography. They were the first, they were the, they were the ones to come up with cryptography and to, to, to encrypt their language. So they would hide it behind symbolism and they would use again, symbols and, and this different language that only the initiated knew and look at the Voynich manuscript. It hasn't been able to, to be, it's not, hasn't been deciphered even till this day. I did an episode on the copial cipher. That was deciphered after 250 years because they were, they used an AI algorithm that was finally able to crack the code, but it was written 250 mm. years and they still don't hundred percent have the entire coding because it was written by a secret society of optometrists with the light hand. Right. And they yeah, but this, let me ask you this. How was this, how was this AI able to figure it out? So if you want to start going into how, alchemy's changed now it's different at least at least on the at least what we see right they're using it in a different way you know you were just talking about jeff bezos right you were talking about um they're they're merging it with technology now alchemy and technology is becoming one and the same so what if this is some sort of alchemy that they're using with this ai technology to be able to decipher some of these old texts some of this some of these old uh hidden knowledges you know like you said they couldn't decipher it for 250 years but then they were able to do it with the ai at least to a point yeah so so mm -hmm. what's really going on with the ai what's going on with the technology you know is it infiltrated with some sort of entities 
Is it is it some sort of alchemy that's going on or, or both? You know what I mean? Because it, it's 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 so crazy, man. Um, this whole subject. You were just talking about Jacques, man. That guy. He's get, there's some wild stuff with him and, and, and Falconelli too, man. Because it all ties in with uh, with atomic, like atomic bombs and nuclear power. Yeah. Kid. Yeah. Super mad. <laughs> oh well, they're non-binary, so oh, I think they good. prefer they them. <laughs> if you're gonna be talking about, but when you mentioned the Federal Reserve, that's funny that you mentioned them. You know, you're talking about them common now, and we were talking about Satoshi and Bitcoin. Yeah. Well, the Federal Reserve has now uh, announced that they have their own new service, an instant payment transfer called FedNow service. So really? it's like this new age of alchemy, right? Like where 100%. instead of like just like making lead into gold you're doing it with uh well, algorithms who, and who made that who constructed a majority of the cathedrals the templars and the mm -hmm. templars were the ones that quite literally made the first banking system you deposit here you go over there with a little check a little check i think mm -hmm. is what they called it you go over there to the other side and they knew to debit that account and give that other person that much and then there were the ones that were like wait a minute as long as everyone doesn't come in and at the same time withdraw their money we can start making money by lending other people money or the same money that's just going to be sitting there so they they had made the the banking system now if you want to go deeper in that conspiracy the conspiracy is that baphomet was one of the ones that was like yo do a plus b plus c alchemy and you're going to be rich but you got to you gotta give me your soul, bro. This, you know, yeah, just no, a little thing. You know what I'm saying? Just give me your soul. Do a blood pact, you know? Because well, you're seeing that going right now with the whole uh, Silicon Valley bank, man. Right? Yeah. Like the reason why that people don't understand is they did a bank run. So three days before, they're like, "Hey, this bank's about to collapse." They they wave that red flag and hurry, hurry, so everybody pulls their money out. I believe that kind of stuff is intentional, right? Because they're trying to get us into. At that time, just going to a regular bank when you're talking about the temp, you know, Dice Templar and all them, they were just trying to get you into that system of control. Now it's changing because everything's digital. Everything's, you know, technology is, has caught up to the plans. So now they're trying to get you out of that bank and into that digital bank. So it's just the same thing, except now on a digital front. Yeah. Yeah. And just to go back with the whole uh, the Jacques thing, because we're talking about technology and how alchemy is with technology now. Yes. Um, so Fulcanelli actually met with Jacques about uh, a nuclear bomb, right? And he came to warn him, um, Andre uh, Hellbronner, he wanted him to go tell Hellbronner basically not to do it. And I'm going to read this little piece from Fulcanelli. This was supposedly transcribed from Falconelli um, to... That's my favorite quote. Can I read it? It's my Jacques. favorite quote. This is the secret of alchemy. Is that the one that you're going to read? <laughs> no, it's not it, actually. All right, never mind then. Or maybe... Right, you better not read. When it, it goes to this is the secret of alchemy, that's my favorite quote. Let me read okay, that Okay, I'll let you do that part of it. <laughs> <laughs> now, what he was saying was, uh, you're on the brink of success, as indeed are several others of our scientists today. Please allow me... Be very, very careful. I warn you, the liberation of nuclear power is easier than you think, and the radioactivity artificially produced can poison the atmosphere of our planet in a very short time, a few years. Moreover, atomic explosives can be produced from a few grains of metal powerful enough to destroy whole cities. I'm telling you this for a fact. The alchemists have known it for a very long time. 
I shall not attempt to prove to you what I'm now going to say, but I ask you to repeat it to Hellbronner. Certain geometrical arrangements of highly purified materials are enough to release atomic forces without having to recourse to either electricity or vacuum techniques. If you want to read the secret of alchemy now, you can, or I can do it. So let me pull up here. The Chicago Pile 1, I believe, was the was the what he was talking about essentially that was later and, and that was in 1937 that he met with him and then in 19 in 1942 is when they came up with this and jack was actually the one so this is the world's first artificial nuclear reactor on december 2nd 1942 and the meeting with uh, bergier and falconelli was in 1937 which was five years before this so three, three, nine, four, five years before the first ever artificial nuclear reactor and eight years before the manhattan uh then the trinity explosion the test so when he's when he saw that he's like wait a minute i gotta tell the americans so he told the americans and then bada bing bada boom they're looking for him because they're like yo this dude's got some manuscript by by bacon that supposedly has this formula for this this material that can obliterate cities with a bright light or something, something or other along those lines. And the quote that you're going to read, I have it somewhere here because that's way ahead over here. It, it's one of my favorite quotes because he, he, he essentially reveals the secret to alchemy and I have to find it, bro. You can read it if you want. The secret of alchemy is this. There is a way of manipulating matter and energy so as to produce what modern scientists call a force field. The field acts on the observer and puts him in a privileged position via the universe. From this position, he has access to the realities, which are ordinarily hidden from us by time and space, matter, and energy. This is what we call the great work. So here's the thing. I'm going to give the guys that say that nuclear bombs are fake a little bit of credence. And this is why I'm going to say that, because he basically breaks down to Jacques right here that you don't need much to blow up a planet. <laughs> He's telling you this. He said it's been done before. He said it's been done many times. He's actually speaking to like old earth. He's speaking mm -hmm. to a time that was long in the past, which a lot of people think that there was some sort of nuclear fallout millions of years ago in some sort of battle, which I kind of lend credence to as well. But he's bringing this up so so what if like these bombs really aren't what they say they are what if like nuclear technology exists but it exists in a more alchemical sense what he's talking about why else would they be trying to find falconelli and if you know anything about Jacques, he was also a spy so like yeah. he did he did a lot a lot of things um and he was huge into ufos as well man he actually wrote a book about ufos he, yeah he was one of the greatest esoteric and occult authors ever after the fact and it's probably because of this meeting that he that he went right there. right well i think what a lot of it boils down to is first i will say that alchemy has been like uh when you look it up they basically say it's medieval science right that's how the disguise of it and I do think that a lot of these people believe now, whether it's true or not true, I think that they believe it, right? That's why it really makes me think that all the elitists and all the occultists really are like, It's still real to me, damn it! <laughs> it's real to them, but it doesn't mean that it really is real, right? So, and maybe if you go with the manifesting and if I manifest and this and this happens, it's just so... Um, 
And and when you say the alchemical, I think that there is a lot that can be made with uh, nuclear, right? Because that is chemicals. That is putting things together, uh, compounds to create something that's more destructive. And when they said blowing up the planet, I think they mean more torching the earth because obviously the planet, if it's blown up, there's just fragments, right? Then we would be on another planet. That'd be a whole or dimension, and that'd be a whole nother. Yeah, so, yeah. I was just saying, like, let let me add on here. To, so before that quote, there's more to that quote because that's a whole long thing. So he says, "You asked me to summarize for you in four minutes four thousand years of philosophy and the efforts of a lifetime." Furthermore, you asked me to translate into ordinary language concepts for which such language is not intended. All the same, I can tell you this much. You are aware that in the official science of today, the role of the observer becomes more and more important. Relatively, the principle of inter, interminacy, inter, indeterminacy, geez, indeterminacy <laughs> shows the extent to which the observer today intervenes in all these phenomena. And then he goes on the secret of alchemy, but then the conversation continues and he goes, but what about the philosopher's stone, the fabrication of gold? He's asking Falconelius. He goes, these are only applications, particular cases. The essential thing is not the transmutation of metals, but that of the experimenter himself. It's an ancient secret that a few men rediscover once in a century so then he goes on to say and this is because Vergier supposedly had a photogenic memory a photo right he could remember everything so that's why we're taking this for what he's saying and then he goes and what becomes of them then Vergier to Falconelli and Falconelli says I shall know perhaps one day and then my friend was never to see this man again the man who under the name of Falconelli has left an inedible trace all that we know of him is that he survived the war and disappeared completely after the liberation. Every attempt to find him has failed. And yeah, this is from the Morning of the Magicians. They go hard because Bergier is one of the authors of the book. So they have like firsthand accounts of everything that happened and they just go into crazy detail. And then they later on go to find, right, he's a spy, he goes on to later to, to find the uranium for atomic applications after he broke into some general's house etc etc so then bergier was the one that tipped off the what's the name of the service it's got a name here let me find it here the 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 people who came before the C, the cia which uh, is ssa the 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 office the office of strategic services was looking for him because he was rumored to have had an old alchemical manuscript by roger bacon where Quote, an explosive can be made that can destroy an entire army or a city with a blinding flash. Mm. So that was in 1942 that they, were, that they were looking for him. So it kind of serves, it kind of plays into if he was a real person or not, which we can get into that. But I have some other stuff here that I want to get into. So we talked about the secrecy of alchemy why you know they were trying to escape being killed essentially it's an ancient and philosophical and spiritual tradition that originated in egypt spread through the you know the medieval ages and the renaissance and we're going to continue here did you have anything else to add joel or sean yeah i want to talk about jacques real quick because yeah. i found a really cool tie-in with bob lazar really yeah i did <laughs> So we talk about 
Jacques writing The Extraterrestrials in History. That was in 1970 when he wrote this book. So again, you always find this weird correlation between extraterrestrials, alchemy, magic, you know, entities that we can't explain. There's a lot of that going on. So it made me think about Element 115. And There's also this book. I don't know if you saw this one by Jack Bergier. Eternal, I can send you it. Eternal Man. It's the same guys that wrote the the Morning of the Magicians, but they get into what you're talking about, about the evolution of man. And they also talk about aliens. I think it was in this one. No, it gets into some other crazy stuff. But yeah, I'm sorry. There's so I started one. thinking about Bob Lazar and he has been integral in pushing this reverse engineering of alien technology. You know, he came out, what was it back in the seventies and he did that interview and he didn't have his real name. And then he came out later and then now it's like a big deal. You know, element 115, when he first brought it up, it wasn't even on the periodic table yet. It is now element 115 is on the periodic table. Also, he says that element 115 with protons leads to creating element 116, which is livimorium, which immediately decays and produces antimatter. So the antimatter creates a massive energy burst, which can be used for propulsion. So really element 116 is what fuels these UFOs. It's what flies the UFOs. So element 115 combined with these protons, and they won't tell us what these protons are, but it actually helps the craft fly. So when, you know, and he showed, and he showed that picture with that canister that supposedly had 115 in it. And he talked about it on that Netflix series. He didn't even show the picture on the Netflix series. He showed it later, but it made me think about alchemy and everything with alchemy is about periodic tables. It's about breaking down, you know, down to the protons, all that. And it made me think that what if, and you know, my thoughts on fallen angels and entities that are teaching us humans how to do things. What if that's tied into this Lazar thing and what was going on on that base he was at this, this uh, teaching us how to alchemically create these chemicals that they already know about that fly their, that fly their ships already anyway. So it, it just brought that into full context because we're talking about Falconelli talking about nuclear power and how to create nuclear power. So it's all about powering stuff in a lot of ways. And it's, and it's about powering technology. We're moving to that age, right? It, you can see that shift where in, in the 1950s, 1960s, everything started moving in 1940s after Roswell, everything started moving into more of a technological age. So this alchemy's moved into technology. So it just made me think about 115 and how it, with protons, and they won't tell us what's happening to move it into 116, which they can't prove, but that's what they say fl that flies these ships. Did... Do you, do you believe Lazar? Here's my thing. I know a lot of people think he's a psyop, right? And I think there is some validity to why he's talking about what he's talking about, right? I don't know if what he's talking about is necessarily false either. Maybe, maybe it's layered. 
because I, I think there's always truth that they reveal um, with lies. I don't think he's tell, definitely not telling us the whole thing. And I think it was completely manufactured that he came out when he did and what he's doing now. I, I don't think it's what exactly what he says that it is. Did I know some ha- people think that he wasn't even at the base, but it's been proven he was. So, Did he have a mentor while he was there? Do you know? Is that part I of the story? Think, I don't think he talked about a mentor that I remember. Unless you remember part of that story. I don't know no, if he had a mentor or not. I, I, I'm not familiar. Like, I've heard the story, but I'm not 100% familiar with it, right? Because I'm not real big into, like, alien graves and things of that nature. But the reason I'm saying that is because during this whole Falconelli phenomenon or, or debacle, whatever you want to call it, I always refer back to the movie Fight Club, mm. where to him... It, it, the the guy was real, right? Whoever plays, is it Brad Pitt? He was real to him the whole time. It was like a blood and bone person. He was helping him come out and be like, yo, you need to fight. You need to, you know, quit being a little bitch. Like, you know, do all these things and right. right. Establish fight club. Like the secret society was like, what's the first rule? Well, that there is no fight club or whatever the rule was. And it makes you think of things such as, First rule is don't talk about Fight Club. Right. Yeah, there you go. Don't talk about Fight Club. And, and I completely spaced out what I was going to say next. But this idea that there's a care. Oh, the signing of the I think it was Declaration of Independence. One of the one of one of the two. And how in that room nobody wanted to sign because they were afraid that if it failed, they would all die. Well, supposedly. And I think Ronald Reagan told the story a couple times. There was, and, and Manly P. Hall did as well, there was this shadow figure that came out of the shadows, similar to a Falconelli, to warn this guy, like, yo, don't mess around with the nuclear weapons. Well, this shadow figure come out of the, the woodwork and was like, yo, he was hyping people up, like, yo, you guys need to sign. And then it was like, yeah, yeah, we got yeah, we got a saw, yeah. So then they all started getting hyped up. Everybody signs. And then after the fact, it was like, yo, who was the hype man? I thought it was you. Nah, fam, I thought it was you. And then they, they're all going back and forth. It was like this man who they don't know how he got in there. Nobody knows who he was at the end. And now you're now I'm starting to wonder if this whole alchemy thing and the aliens and entities on the other side, because again, part of the Alliance Artista is he's interdimensional. He's in the bowels of reality and comes, you know, peeks his head to the cheeks of reality every now and again to tell you're doing a good job. And it's just making me think, is it, is he involved with whatever, hey, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know what I'm I've got at? one for you though on that one. So when he, when Bob Lazar talks about it, um, they said that he says that element 115 could also be the famed exotic matter that is needed to create traversable wormholes. And it was the subject of a leak defense intelligence reference document called traversable wormholes, stargates, and negative energy. All right, hear so, me out. Hold on, bro. Hold on. Hold on. All right, hold on. <laughs> just, pause, just pause for a second, bro. You're going, you're going too fast for me, bro. Hold on. So, because you're talking about wormholes and opening up the fabric of space and time. Now, there was, I forget which alchemist that supposedly had a dagger because we're talking about elements, right? We're talking about forging things. We're, we're literally talking about putting things together to make something else happen. Well, there is this philosophy. I forgot which alchemist it was that had a, 
I want to say it was Flamel or somebody who had a dagger that could open space and time, right? They could cut open space and time with it because it's made out of the philosopher's stone. Yeah, I'm thinking about the philosopher's stone right now, bro. Like this forbidden thing that they don't know how to make it, but somehow we got a little bit of that powder of projection, right? The red powder of projection that Edward Kelly had, that Bergier had, right? All these little, the, that, that uh, Consoliet had, that a little bit of it in order to transmute lead into gold. And so it's making me think that you ever wonder, because we touch on the Manhattan project. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe that was in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. Was it not the man, the headquarter of the Manhattan project? Or was that another project? Manhattan project. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Dot com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Project. Hold on, I'm gonna tell you right now if I'm wrong or not. Boom. All right, Manhattan Project National Historic Park information is Oak Ridge, Tennessee. All right. Sean, we're gonna Oak go Ridge. there, bro. We're gonna fucking go there, bro. Okay. What if because they, you know how they talk about how Dogman like fucking goes through portals? What if his claws are made out of this fucking element that's able to boom, open up space and time because it's using this weird element and part of the chimeric lore, right? You're mixing things together. Well, what is that? The alchemists were doing the same thing back then, right? right? They were mixing animals together to make other animals. Right to make these chimeras. That's the whole homunculus lore. This there's different things that you can make through alchemy. Now is it that you know back then to them was it ethical or not? Well, we have Paracelsian monsters that were atrocities that would come out and they would you know I guess some of them would be released. I don't know, but I'm thinking of Dogman right now because of the Manhattan Project. And what if that was like some sort of half alchemy, half nuclear power <laughs> i don't know bro it's, little... it's wild what the hell? Oh, my God. No way. nice that was a good i like that analogy See, what i was thinking a lot when you guys are talking about technology and alchemy and all this and in that time uh it was the movement of the technocracy right technocrats uh, where they, a technocrat is where they wanted to control people by data. But at that time, the technology wasn't where it is today. So I believe a lot of that translates into this technocracy world that we're getting into by now that we have the internet, now that we could track people and see what they're buying, see what they're into. Like, uh, I don't know if you guys heard, like, you know how Xbox had came out with that little, um, uh, they had, this is a while ago, they had that little 
two camera system. I forgot what it's called. And they could play games. You could play like the tennis connect on it. Or something? Yeah, the connect, right? Now, people didn't realize that that connect, when it was like aimed at you, it was checking for everything in your house. What kind of books <laughs> do you have? What kind of posters do you have? Because then they could resell things to you. And they're, the technocrats. That's naked playing tennis. My balls yeah, are jiggling yeah. everywhere. Yeah, they seen you right there. They were like, got him. The CIA agent on the other side. Were your cheeks tight or were they loose? <laughs> they were loose at that time, bro. <laughs> Blowing in the wind. But technocrats were very prevalent around this time. So to me, uh, uh, Flu Canelli, I'm probably saying his name wrong, but I'll say it. Huh? Flu Canelli, <laughs> Flu Serino over here. Like, <laughs> he, that's why I kind of like feel like it's one of these folklords, uh, lure, right? So, to get us in sucked in so that we can believe what they believe so we they can whether it's true or not doesn't matter no. if we all believe it it's not a psyop you're not it's not a psyop bro falconelli <laughs> was a real guy so he was real he wrote books he he was real he was real to me is it real to me it's real it's real to me so all right all right let's get into who he might have been because i so so a quick quick rundown 1926, Falconelli was approximately 80 when it was published, the mystery, the the mystery of the cathedrals, and then after that it was the dwelling of the philosophers, and he would have, but he disappeared in 1922, right? Allegedly, he had a, achieved his magnum opus. I thought it was he, 1926. No, 1926, the the mystery of the cathedrals was published, which was 19, after he, he went missing. Which, yeah, he had already been missing. He had he was already pieced out. 1922, he was already pieced out. So let me go through my timeline real quick. So 1920s, he met... I thought 1922, they said that was the first when he... They talked about when he trans... Uh, yeah, magnum opus. Let, yeah. Yeah, 1922, Falconelli said to have achieved his magnum opus and disappeared out of this reality. 1925, the Brothers of the Heliopolis is established. 1926, the Mystery of the Cathedrals is published. Uh, in 1932, Champagne dies, which is the artist of the Mystery of the Cathedrals. And Consalia is the guy who wrote the intros and compiled everything together. And we have 1937, Jack Bergier's meet, meets Falconelli in his lab to tell him the secret to alchemy and nuclear power. 1940s, the outbreak of World War II. 1942, I mentioned the Chicago Pile 1 is invented and Bergier tells... The Americans all about his encounter with Falconelli. This triggers a search for him by the Office of Strategic Services, which was the superseded by the CIA. In the 1950s, there was a couple of other encounters, 54, uh, which is the one that I want to talk about, where it's where Consalia is taken to the Pyrenees Mountains somewhere in Seville, Spain. And supposedly he had gotten this note, right? And he packs his bags and he goes over and he is met by this guy in a car. They get in it and they drive into the mountains and they're just weaving all this. They pull up to a castle and in that castle out comes Falconelli, which at this he's time like younger, right? He's younger. He's supposed to have been at least he was 80 in 1926. He, it was 30 years later. So he had to be at least a hundred and something, but he appeared to be 50 years old. And he goes, you know, my, you know, the master carried his 80 years lightly or something. He was or androgynous too at that time. So they go in to this castle and in the courtyard, it's a, he calls it an alchemical enclave. This, this secret, uh, uh, 
like Al Alchemist Paradise, and it's making me think of the Rosicrucians and the idea of of the the Invisible College, and it's also making me think uh, think of uh, Twineman's Hidden Hyperspace Kingdoms, where the elites go to these hidden places that maybe it's metaphysical, maybe not. Like in the book Atlas Shrugged, I don't know if you guys have read that book, where there's this place in, in the mountains in Colorado that the elites disappear to that might be interdimensional, might not. So that's what it's making me think of. And there's a whole bunch of people there in, in 16th century attire, and this is in 1954. And he has a lab, right? He opens up this wall and he's like, hey, here you have this lab. So Consalia is doing his thing in his lab. And one day he goes out to get a breath of, breath of fresh air. And he goes outside to the courtyard. And as he's sitting there, there's these women walking towards him. And as they're approaching him, you know, one stops in front of him to greet him. And it's fucking Falconelli. It's Falconelli. <laughs> and he's like, he wasn't just, he wasn't a cross dresser. Like he was full on, he, he was a woman. So, and that was one of the things of, of Falconelli that always like was like, what? But part of alchemy, like how I mentioned earlier, the, the part of the homunculus, the magnum opus, the the divine androgen, which is the unity of the male and female. And again, there's things in alchemy that are symbolic, which this could be symbolic or it could also be a physical thing. Some writers have written about it being a physical transformation. And it's making me think because in alchemy, the alchemist would say, don't let there even be a fly in the room as you're doing your alchemical works well in the movie the fly what ends up happening to him where he's trying to what to jump right to teleport from one end yeah. to the other he ends up letting a fly in his in his and lab. there's numerous movies that show stuff like that yes uh, and when you talk about funkadelic that uh uh funkadelic yeah. uh you're you're really uh <laughs> <laughs> it's reminding me of like uh, Yo, Funkadelic should have an 80s movie You know Funkadelic's day off You know what I mean Like Ferris Bueller's day off It sounds like he just <laughs> And he's just having a little fun with it Look I got balloons as boobies You know what I mean Like yeah. hey I'm a woman now. Make a like, great Netflix movie Because I mean they I could know. throw in their Their transgender stuff in there But They could put all kinds of things in there But I wanted to uh, reach back uh, real quick Because now that I, I kind of typed some stuff up And I was talking about technocracy this kind of leads more into kind of what you guys are talking about. So maybe it is a little bit more the alchemy and the occultic world is tied into most things because Smith, a California engineer, invented the word technocracy in 1919 to describe, and this is his quote, the rule of the people made effective through the agency of their servants, the scientists, and the engineers. And to me, the scientists is where it really stands out because alchemists, are scientists like in, in a different sense but that is the same like uh joel was saying earlier they all they both go by the periodic table and the elements and what they're using to create things yeah absolutely it's about the the projection so the purification and what a better picture because this is i i think now let's get controversial here boys because i mean <laughs> I think that tight. We're, we're, yeah, some, but some cheeks are going to get tight, but here, check this out. What if, <laughs> I mean, just put this out there. What if, right? These alchemists aren't dead. These alchemists are still alive. They've just, they've just changed names. Well, what if they're trying to quite literally transmute our reality in this world by pushing such things as the transgender Absolutely. agenda, 
So oh, I totally agree when, with you. when you have this divine androgen, right, Rebus, which is the, the un unification of the female and the male together, that's that's what I believe because on Baphomet's forums, it says coagulate and dissolve. Well, I also think that's a hint to he's sitting supposedly on the Philosopher's Stone. This cubic stone is a Philosopher's Stone, allegedly. And by you coagulate and dissolve in and out of reality, I think that they're trying to quite actually with this whole hermaphrodite transgender agenda i think that they're trying to plug that into the matrix whatever that may be and manifest in real life this divine androgen which is part again of the magnum opus and what do they want to do they want to write the great reset if that's not another alchemical change the new world order i know that triggers yeah. a lot of people but that's all the same essentially the same the magnum opus except with a different name the Great Reset, the New World Order, it's all the same thing because it's a Listen, brother, thing, yeah. <laughs> when I go into the NWO, when I enter that ring, no, but I think you're absolutely right. I think it is something that, that is connecting it all uh -huh. because all these things, we talk about it, and that's like what me and Joel try to talk to about a lot, and I'm always going to give pushback on everything until I can kind of see it my, our way, right? Because we can only decipher things the way that we can perceive it. And it does make sense that these guys would, like, not only transcend and, and transgender right kind of like transcend trans like the whole same word goes into like how words have powerful meanings but if i don't know if you guys ever gone down the wall <laughs> yeah you know how i don't know if you guys ever been down the rabbit holes of like nick cage I've been or in some tom holes, hanks <laughs> some nick cage holes oh hey. boom, boom, no but how they show them like hey this is a picture of this guy that looks like nick cage from the 1800s yes. or mm -hmm. Name the actor Keanu so, Reeves. Yeah, yeah, Keanu Reeves, another one, which is great on that, <laughs> that uh, inside job. Man, they do a funny one about uh, Keanu Reeves, but that could be possible, right? That could be very possible that these guys are still alive and they're rebranding themselves and they're forgotten, like because they disappear uh, for whatever reason, or they create these alter aliases, right? Mm -hmm. That you're this guy never was didn't exist he existed but not that name right and you use these alter egos to put out some of your work put out your yes. publishings so that way a lot of people still do this to this day they use stage names it's the same concept yeah they have a stage name and then they just go from there we'll check this out uh elephas uh levy um he was one of the first modern ceremonial magicians mm -hmm. um and he was inspiration for the Hermetic Order. He literally talks about the great work and its significance when it comes to Baphomet and Androgen of Mendez, which is yeah. like a pan type of god. So well, he's he, the one that drew this, the famous one, the the, the main mm -hmm. Baphomet. He's the one that came up with it. Yeah, right. So he he actually breaks that down. Uh, the goat of Mendez, which is the androgen of Mendez, mm -hmm. and these gods that he pushes are androgynous, are what we would talk about as transgender now. And I think more so than transgender, I think they want to move us to a sexless, uh, a true an uh, androgynous being. I think that's ultimately what they're pushing. I think they want to say that we're going to actually transcend a sex will be asexual at that point. I agree. I and totally I, agree with you on that. that ties like, into I've transhumanism as well. Yes. So I think that's what they want to do. And I think these alchemists, and just in my opinion, I think these alchemists are tied in with these beings, these fallen angels. I think they've been, they've talked to them. They've got this knowledge from them. 
And yes, they are doing these things. Mm-hmm. I think they are able to transverse. They they they, they crossed over. They've seen some other transverse things. Transverse these cheeks. <laughs> they are transversing a lot of cheeks, man. Those guys like Alistair Crowley, man. They've been transversing all manner of cheeks <laughs> that's possible. Broken goat smokes cheeks, everywhere, man. <laughs> cow cheeks, yeah. alien cheeks, men, women, whatever, man. They're all Big about cheeks. Dog man cheeks. Like they they've been up in it, man. <laughs> They 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 really get down though. I mean I I mean to each his own. Now I agree with you with the whole tr- uh, the trans thing. Like I and I do think they want to make asexual, but I think it's not just. In my opinion, all of this, whether it comes from the politicians, the elites, the the uh, alchemists, or the occultist people, I believe they want to take away creativity because mm-hmm. I think the most mm-hmm. dangerous thing is creativity. That's why they want everybody asexual drones that are just kind of like, hey, what do we do? Worker worker bees that just follow the queen and, hey, whatever we got to do, if we got to die for it. That is what I believe because I believe critical thinking and creativity go hand in hand. And if you've noticed in the past year, creativity has fallen off a lot. Like a lot of people just copy and paste, copy and paste. That's how they did it for the record industry and the movie industry for a long time. Yeah, there's original pieces here and there. But for most part, it's just these recreations of stuff we've already done. You see it online, Sean. Even mm-hmm. with posts, somebody will create a, a, a great post, and then if somebody copies it, gives yeah. them no credit, and just copies At it, all, puts it out no as their credit. own. I'm not talking about me or anything. <laughs> <laughs> but you do, but you do see that a lot. Yes, um, where people just want the easy road to either success or notoriety or whatever, and Here's the thing that Queen B is going to feed them that. Yep. Hey, it's easy. All you got to do is just take what we give you, become this androgynous being who just, you know, you, you'll get all the pleasure you need from us. It's just do what we tell you to do. And, that, and that's what they want to sell you on. TikTok's a perfect example. Mm. Look at like when a sound is big, right? A trending sound. Everybody jumps on it, right? You put it in your video no matter what because you know it's going to get you into the algorithm and it's going to, like you said, it's going to give you those dopamine hits. And that, I think, is the training, right? They're training us so that we right. can get their the dopamine hits at when they want us to and we're controlled. You're seeing it time and time again. I've noticed, and I've been saying this for a while now, and it seems to be getting worse because if you notice a lot of the younger generations, like I've talked to people and their kids and talk and they're and they're just so focused on this gender or my sexuality at young ages where you're like, why are you focused on that? They're not talking about their ambitions. They may have interest in things. I'm not saying that they don't have interest, but I think that's just like the first phases of it. They want us to like, oh, our interest is who we are is I am a, a, bi- a non-binary, like asexual, like blah, 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 fill in the blanks. That's what they want our identity as. Instead of these creative, like, hey, man, I'm going to create something. I'm more than that. I'm not sure what I am, but I'm going to keep looking and critically think about it. That shuts that down because now you're using the parroting, the parroting messaging of what uh, the wokeness. But wokeness is just occultism. You know what I mean? Like if we're learning more and more that those words are just being used against us. I think Jordan Maxwell was one of the best at like really breaking down. He was you know, a Freemason. Uh, that's right. Rest in peace. Hey, there's you know, hey, Freemasons are people too, bro. You know what? Freemasons are people too. I'm sick and tired of everybody getting on the Freemasons when, hey, they were molesting kids like the Catholic priests. I'm just saying. You're going to get us canceled, bro. Listen, I know. I'm already canceled. They're like, he's a Mason. I knew it. If there's any, you know, 
whatever happens between two consenting adults, hey, sure. more power to you. Whatever you want to put between your cheeks is your problem. But my issue is when they start to push it on the mainstream and they start to push it on kids and implement it in schools and doing all these different things like that right there to me, that's sickening to me. That, that's, you know what I'm saying? Like that's, that's a whole nother level of, uh, you know, it's what, it, how do you say it? Depravity is it? Cause people are depraved. And but here's sick. a thought too. So you've got these elites, right? That want to disrupt how life should be by teaching kids certain things. I think there's a part of it. I don't think it's just evil intentions, man. I think that these elites and I think these alchem alchem alchemists. Alchemists, yeah. Yes. Alchemists. Okay, daddy's got you. <laughs> alchemists that have been around for a long time. I think they wholeheartedly believe this is how we get humanity to ascend. I think it, that that's what they believe. I think they talk to these entities and they're like, this is what we have to do to get it to this point of humanity to where humanity is going to now evolve past our physical shells. And I think that's part of why they do this. So Jay Widener calls it in his book, homo luminous, which is this light being this androgynous light being that once. So part of the magnum opus is creating this light of when you transmute lead into gold. And that's only a byproduct, the gold, the lead turning into gold, the light that occurs during that reaction is supposed to transform your genetic structure entirely. And that's what makes you, that's what takes you to this, to this next level, you know, to add some context to that. And I was going to say something else, but go ahead, Sean. I think it's like uh, the, the Thanos theory, right? The Thanos mindset. If you, what Joel is trying to say, I kind of agree with that. Cause when you watch the Avengers, Thanos, right? He's like, I got to wipe out half of the universe. Not that he wants to. He feels that that's the only way that everybody could survive. So I do agree that some of these alchemists and occultist people, they, they think that, hey, this is the only way we could survive if we don't ascend, right? So we have to do, I'm not saying all of them. It may be nefarious, but I kind of understand what Joel's point is, is that there's a lot of people that think it's only nefarious, but in their mind, they might be doing the best thing. And that's why I think of it's like the Thanos theory, right? Because he thinks that that's what he has to do to save people. He's like, I can't save all of you, but I could save half of you. I think it's the same concept. Yeah. And to to bring it back to Folk and Ellie, because so in 1954, that thing happened, the, andro the, the divine androgen, after he saw him as a woman, Right on that whole tangent we went on because of the woman, the divine <laughs> that Once he sees him, he tell I forgot the, exactly what he tells him, but he kind of paraphrasing like you will know once you uh, have achieved your work. You you will go to I believe he says the south in order to find the the chosen land or something or other yeah. along those lines. Uh, paraphrasing of course, and so after that he leaves that place and supposedly. He says that he remembers it dreamlike. And you can actually find recordings of Consalia on YouTube. There's recordings, interviews of him. You can hear his voice and you can hear he was a real guy. He was a real person. Mm -hmm. So people, you know, they always go, okay, there was another book that was never published. What's up with this whole guy? In 1978, there was another guy who I couldn't confirm it. Supposedly claims to have met this master alchemist in Italy. And to him was Falconelli. But who was Falconelli? I have my own things, and I kind of, 
I have this theory and I don't know how crazy it is or not, but, and I might not mean anything to you guys because you guys don't really watch a lot of Manly P. Hall, but I think that he could have been Manly P. Hall because now the re there were contemporaries where they were around the same time, right? Early Manly P. Hall was born late 19th century. You know, we got the early 20th century that he was really coming out in 1928. He came out or 1926. He came out with the secret teachings of all ages. I could be getting my dates wrong, but around the, the late 1920s, he came out with the secret teachings and he wrote that book, but he never talks about Falconelli in any of his writings. And Falconelli right. is probably one of the most influential alchemists. And Manly P. Hall was really into alchemy. He had a lot of different alchemical texts and plates and books and rare manuscripts. He had the first plate in the secret teachings of all ages is the Count of, of St. Germain, which is one of another immortal alchemist, another one of these enigmatic figures that survives 300 years in history. And we don't know how, and it's because hmm. of allegedly had well, found out. Y'all talked about secret societies a lot too. He did. Yeah. But the, I kind of saw, I was hinting at because they said that Consalia couldn't have been him because some people think it was him, but some people say that I think that he could have made him up and maybe he was an egregore or projection of Consalia because I think that once he started to talk about Falconelli and he saw how big it was with the community and the people and it gave him more legitimacy to be his only pupil. What? Wait, you were, you were the pupil of Falconelli. Yeah, absolutely. So I think he kind of kept it going. Now the difference is the, the, his handwriting and his writing style weren't the same. Now doesn't mean it's not him. Also, it would put, it would put him at, he would be too young to have come up with this work, right? I think that was uh, Champagne. So we have Consalia. People think it was him. Uh, it's believed to have been Falconelli. After he saw the prestige and effect the name Falconelli had, he stuck with it and maybe kept it going. It gave him more legitimacy, but some say he was too young. He was in his early 20s when the Mystery of the Cathedrals was published. So he couldn't have been, he couldn't have written this magnum opus. But then I think about Manly P. Hall. Manly P. Hall was 20-something when The Secret Teachings of All Ages came out, and that was one of the greatest works of all time. So, allegedly, to scholars, there's no way. But I disagree, because, again, Manly P. Hall. The differences in handwriting, and then we have Champan, which is the artist of the Mystery of the Cathedrals. And he was Consoliate's mentor. They had a 20-year a twenty -year difference in their ages. So, Champan was, Julian Champan was a lot older than he was. And he was also another one of the ones that was that allegedly had met Falconelli. Now, I think it, it could have been Champagne more than Consaliet because R.A. Schwaller, which was this Egyptologist, he had supposedly witnessed Falconelli on his deathbed. He was rotting away, allegedly, because of the magnum opus and the working in the alchemical lab. Well... Champagne in 1932 died from, he had this absinthe addiction, I guess. And he was drinking a lot of absinthe. That's like high, that's like moonshine level. Yeah, I drank alcohol. it before. It's pretty good. And supposedly he <laughs> died. What'd you say? No, I've drank it a few times. Pretty good, man. To get you a trip, man. So they said that he had gangrene and his toes mm -hmm. literally rotted off towards the end of his life. So we have this R.A. Schwaller guy 
talking about how he had met Falconelli and he was on his deathbed and rotting away, but rotting away not from drinking absinthe, but from the magnum opus, from doing so many uh, the the things in the alchemical lab. Now, one of the things that that when you first Google Falconelli, the first picture you're gonna get is of this this bearded guy, right? This guy right here. Yeah. That's Julian Champagne, right? That that's the guy that we're talking about that would drink absinthe, and this is Eugenia or Eugene. This is Consalia. Can I get a little Joel Thomas on you real quick? Yeah, go ahead. Like, cause I've been thinking about this a lot too. Like, well, what if it Falconelli was multiple people? Because Falconelli Falconelli is a entity, right? That has entered into numerous, and you're talking about what he's drinking. Let's. Go, baby! That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> no, oh, no, Angels, baby, we're back! No, seriously, like, <laughs> hear me out. I know I know, I chill with Joel a lot, but no, seriously, I always give him pushback, and he knows this. But when you think about it, right, a logical explanation for these multitudes of him living in these different time periods and different handwritings is because Focanelli is an entity. Alcohol is What, spirits, bro? What are right? you talking about, man? Alcohol spirits. So him drinking that absence. What's it called? Absence. Absence. Yeah. Absence. Yeah. That is also a hallucinogen, right? Because it's is so it really? Yeah, yeah. It's mm -hmm. a hallucinogen. Like it makes you hallucinate a little bit. Not like it's a lower end hallucinogen. Depending Watch on how Euro much you drink. Trip. Yeah. That movie? <laughs> when they get yeah, on yeah. the absence. Yeah, we like... drank that and ate like a. a, a uh, uh, what's it called? A uh, uh, couple what of eights of shrooms fuck, and shit. Bro, are you serious? <laughs> so like, just imagine he's drinking that and he's opening up his meat bag for a better term with Joel. Like, you know what I mean? His meat bag open, bodysuit for another entity to come in, and then it's All multitudes right, the of Nephilim, people. Baby. All right, listen, the saying, Nephilim, it's a possibility. Baby. Listen, 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 guys. Listen. I had to do it for you because Yo. they would have got mad. Appreciate See, it. I'm saying it. This. <laughs> What you did that for me, Sean. God. Thanks, buddy. God. God. Listen. That's so, brotherly love right there in the flesh. <laughs> you guys, ladies and gentlemen, you just witnessed a gay moment between Sean and Joel. So listen, oh, guys. Hell I no. like I like that I'm idea. Trying, baby, I'm trying to go to the next level. I'm just saying it makes sense though. Seriously, it's a it, it's it's logic. It's yeah. logical. That's part that that we could take that now. Let me let me wrap up on this because Schwaller also okay. talked about showing Falconelli a manuscript on the mystery of the cathedrals, allegedly, right? And that he had taken a few days to give it back to him. Let me follow my notes here. And let me pull up the article here that I have on it because he drew that picture when they met, that portrait of Julian mm. Champagne, the, the one that... I'm sorry, it was this one right here. This is the sketch that Schwaller did in, I believe that's 1930. And so, and this is another one. This is a, a, a self-portrait. And there, there he is in 1927 in his lab. Now, one of the things that, and he was also, he was, a, he was an art. I mean, he was a great artist. I mean, look at that. That was one of his more, more famous paintings and the Lesseps, which was, uh, I guess, a, a royal family at the time, their, their kids wanted to study with them because they were taking on students. And so 
right here. Schwab. One, some people think that uh, Falconelli came from the royal family. Yes, that's also another. Yeah, that's also another. Uh, <laughs> there's so many fucking rabbit holes with this guy. So <laughs> Schwaller explained to Andre Volman the, the circumstance surrounding his first meeting with Falconelli and why he decided to work with him. I came in touch with the man quite naturally. We were frequently at the same cafe, etc. I never took a liking to Falconelli, but he was the only one in Paris I could talk to about the alchemical work. He had a few disciples of sorts, a, a fellow named Beauchamp. I remember Eugene Cancelia, of course, who never left his side. Now, Eugene, who also never left his side. Well, Champagne and, and Eugene were married, you know, were joined at the hip, if you will, divine androgen style. They were both joined at the hip. He knew what he was doing from a practical point of view. And also, uh, Champagne was practicing alchemy since he was 16 years old. So he was well-versed in the alchemical arts, okay? Now, he knew what he was doing from a practical point of view. He was about 10 years older than I and rather well-connected in the publishing world, or so he told me. But there were aspects he did not understand, theoretical aspects, what I call doctrine. He made a technique of proper gesture needed in the work instead of leaving it, et cetera, et cetera. So apparently, Eugene, after the fact, didn't think that, that Consalia, or I'm sorry, Eugene didn't think that Champagne was well-versed in the minor opus, the, the lesser work, which is about purifying your soul and all this other bullshit, right? Et cetera, et cetera. And he goes on to talk about, I showed him Falconelli, the documentation I had gathered of cathedral symbolism. He got very excited and assured me he would give me a hand in publishing it. I was at the time thinking about moving away from Paris. The whole social affair was taking too much time, but had been working on a book with detailed proof through the structural elements of the cathedrals and through the sculpture and ornaments that they were a Christian expression of the hermetic work. Right. I did not talk to him about all the material I had gathered concerning the symbolism of the cathedrals. At the time, I intended to publish something on the subject, and he made me believe he could help me. He had connections. He really was most interested when I showed him the manuscript and he and asked to borrow it for a few days to look at it more closely in view of presenting it to the publisher. It took me a long time to get the manuscript back. And when he did return it, his opinion was that this material should not get published, that it revealed too much and publication was bound to lead me to adverse consequences. Mind you, this is Champagne that he's talking about a regular confidence man. He was that one, but I admit I had thoughts in that direction myself and he merely confirmed them. Well, I had other things on my mind, too much well i had other things on my mind and i was at the time preparing to move up to switzerland and that was an enormous undertaking we left shortly thereafter and i gave no further thought to the matter i didn't stay in touch with the paris people uh, i didn't stay in touch with the paris people wanted to get away from all the social involvement then in 1926 i find out about the publication of le mystery the cathedrals it was completely based on my work now this guy could just be a hater too, right? Schwaller, the the books, right? He could be a, a, a hater that maybe he was hating on Falconelli. But the one part that really fucked me up was when he's talking about the death. He, when already sick, when he came to be last time, limping someone and complaining of circulatory problems. And he persisted in the insane desire to come forth with whatever he had thought he had understood. So he talks about how he was rotting away. He was turning black. Now, the one piece of like 
thing that sealed it for me that I think is champagne, and I think that him and Consolia were both in on it together, was when John Schmidt, the publisher, him, Consolia, and Champagne go to him together to present to him the book that they're going to publish. And the guy, Jean, is, is noticing, like, this guy's talking about the alchemical work and symbolism, et cetera, et cetera. It's Champagne that he's looking at with the mustache. And when he when they leave, he reads the manuscript and he sees those same ideas being conveyed because Champagne's and Falconelli's writing is not the exact same, but they're close. He sees the ideas that the guy was talking to him about. And when they come back to sign some shit that they need to sign in order to publish the book, Consalia is calling Champagne his master. And yes, my master. Yes, master. He's like giving him the utmost praise in front of this guy. So Jean is like, yo. I thought Falconelli was this dude this whole time and just didn't want to publish it under his real name. But then scholars say, no, he was too much of a trickster. He was, you know, he couldn't have published this magnum opus. What if, again, he could have been being demonically possessed by this thing? Because Consolidate after the, after the fact was saying that neither him nor Champagne were Falconelli. That none, none of the two were Falconelli. So either they had a falling out and he was like, yo, fuck that guy. I'm not going to say that he was Falconelli and give him all the credit. And we're just going to leave it in the air because he's dead now. Right. Or again, I don't know what could have happened. I, I I do think it was Champagne. And I think that they were on it like some pretty little liars type of thing. Is that the, is well, that I think the you got it perfect earlier fight club, like the Tyler Durden. You know what I mean? Like with the uh, Brad Pitt's character and Edward Norton's character, he's real. Right? To, he's real to, to to them. Like he's like, yo, yeah, he is Tyler to certain people, like Bates and Motel. Then he's the Edward Norton character to himself and a couple people. Like it's yeah. it's this cross, which to me really gives off a entity feel, right? Like it gives off some kind of like spiritual. And if you're into this alchemy, which is more than just the periodic table, which they do use, and I'm not saying that's not part of it. They're really into the spiritual realm. Yeah. And if you're conjuring up things to be rich, you're going to get something that's going to tell you how to get rich, but it's also going to, so it's going to need something back and it's going to need you. Those and cheeks, I think baby. that, yeah, give those cheeks up. Hey, check this out. Go a little bit deeper, right? Get deeper in them cheeks. So Folk, they, the question was also asked, who was Falconelli's master? And some people think that his master was actually his wife. Now, if you start mm. tying it into all these handlers in Hollywood, Will Smith, Jada Pinkett, mm. you've got Ronald Reagan and his wife who was super tied into the occult. Biden's got, Jill. I, yes. Mm. You got Jill and you got uh, Joe. I mean, you can go down the line of all of these women that were controllers. I mean, we're talking about Reagan, man. Do you know when Reagan got shot? Do you know that his wife was so freaked out that she got tied in with an astrologer? Do you know this astrologer mapped out his entire presidency for seven years? Seven years. Do you know that his plane would leave when she said that it could leave? There were times when his plane would fly out at 222 in in the AM. Bro, he was so, tight. You said Reagan, right? Yeah. 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 He was tied with Manly P. Hall, too. Exactly. So you can tie all of this in to this Falconelli thing because, again, it's something to do with these female handlers when it comes to these guys that have power or prestige in a certain arena. And, and 
it's something to it to think about. I mean, even if Falconelli's not real and he was something that was made up, maybe maybe she's Falconelli. Maybe this woman behind the scenes was Falconelli. Maybe that's why they didn't ever show her and no one really ever saw her except for the few adepts because she was a woman. Maybe that was part of it too. And also, they had a secret society too, yes. right? They had a secret society. Oh, no. Hey, what circle. about what you just said when he came back? You just kind of threw me into head. When he came back, Focanelli was a woman. But if Focanelli was a woman the whole time, right? If Focanelli is like not Focanelli, you know what I'm saying? But that's who yeah. the actual master is. Mm-hmm. And then this champagne guy is taking all that information and publishing it and posing because that's the master. Maybe something like that would like what, too, you know. What's uh what's the Perry guy that dresses up as a woman all the time? What's Tyler his name? Perry. Tyler, Tyler Perry, there's some Tyler Perry shit. <laughs> or yeah. what is it, Big Mama's House? You guys remember seeing those movies too? <laughs> <laughs> nah, I haven't watched it. I've never actually watched a Tyler Perry movie. So, you see Big Mama's House though with, with Martin Lawrence though, right? Well, Big Mama's House, but yeah. I'm saying that not the, what's it called? The Medias. Medias. Yeah, no, 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 watch no, any no, of those, bro. bro. This is whack. Big Mama House, I'll fuck with that, but I'm not going to fuck with the Medias and shit like that. So the verdict being that, yeah, it could have been the because the first one to have the name Falconelli was the wife of I forgot who it was in, in her little notebook that they were part of the cafe. Let me find it here. I had it somewhere anyways. But yeah, the first appearance of the name Falconelli was was from a woman. It was from a let me let me pull it up here. So this is in Spanish, but the Falconelli pseudonym that we found. For the first time in the documentation, private of Jean, Emily, whatever this name is, wife of August Barth Holdy. So the marriage was uh, intimate with the family of Lesseps. So that would play into the him being part of the royal family. But this is the first time a note from Jean, Emile, whatever her name is, over Falconelli in 1910 podcasts about this whole ordeal and it was so vast and i still don't know who the fuck this guy was but my favorite part was that interdimensional castle because it always seems that wizards and alchemists have Mm -hmm. a tower have a castle Mm -hmm. it's all about the castle that they're in so again you got harry potter with the castles going through the walls and the Mm -hmm. train station i don't know man i think that that the verdict so far, he could have been a real person, right? He could have been this interdimensional alchemist. Number two, he could have been Consalier or Champagne. Number three, he could have been this entity that was possessing people, right? Because, and uh, let me get your cheeks tight a little bit, Sean and Joel. Did you know that in the word altar, or the word bar in Sumerian means altar? And what do you do at a bar? You consume wine and spirits. So again, yeah. that... Phonetic Kabbalah, you know what I'm saying? Like all these words have meaning. There's a there's a deeper meaning behind everything else, and that's sure. why they lay everything out the way they do. 
So think about it next time you go to drink at a bar, you're at an altar in Sumerian terms and you're drinking wine and spirits and you're opening up yourself for demonic possession. So again, well, in Sean Chris terms, it's just a place to chill. So <laughs> <laughs> I never thought I'd be talking about Falconelli and aliens and dogmen all in the same episode. That dogman part where that I really, bro, am, I, I'm on dog, that now. Cause when you said the, the philosopher's stone as the claws and, bro, and interdimensional travel, that makes a lot of sense. Listen, listen, it's part of the, it's part of the homunculus storm. Part of the homunculus is it does what you need to do. And I think that these dogmen are like these meat suits that people jump into to have fun. Let's take it for a spin. And where did all this originate? We're talking about the Manhattan Pro Oak Ridge, Tennessee. And what's going on in Oak Ridge? Yep. Mm. Some shady shit's going on in Oak Ridge, yeah, bro. Yeah, no, Some sure. weird stuff. And when I went up there, there was a sign that said, what was it? Gatlinburg, the gate, the the gateway to the Smokies. And I was like, the gateway? We talking about a portal, bro? Like, what? Are you, what are you, you know what I'm saying? Like, what are you getting at? So I think something, and it's really dark. I think I seen the same sign, but the sign to me did said something different. It said, Maybe we seen a different sign. I'm not sure. Maybe we saw a different. I saw the one. I saw one that said, "Keep your butt cheeks tight," because dogmen's out here. <laughs> but you're right. It it it's a gateway, right? All that terminology is, yes. is intentional. I, I really think you got something with this dog, man. I actually want to think about that a little bit more after, you know, after the podcast. I like that idea because we've talked a lot about dog, man, being interdimensional. And now you kind of connected how yep. he can be interdimensional. Or it also, like you said, uh, just a meat bag that you're wearing to do dirty deeds too, right? Well, part, to do things that you want to do. Part of alchemy is the, the, the transference of consciousness too. They were able to like bottle up your consciousness and trans and transmute it to something else. So again, it's all linked, bro. And I think, you know, a lot of people go, oh, you talk about alchemy too much. Well, I think it's at the core of a lot of things. It just has a different name. You know, if you don't it's call it It's at the alchemy, core of everything. And I completely agree with you on that. I don't know how people can't see that. Because if you're talking about the occult in any sense, it's uh, alchemy is at the base of all of it. And and you can't, you can't have one without the other. So I don't see how people can't understand that part of it. I just think people, I just think people don't want to understand it. And I think that's a lot to do with it. I, I don't think that it's that they don't believe it. It's just too much. Like, and it is because it's secrets behind secrets, behind secrets, behind secrets. Like you said, you're looking at a cathedral and there's all of these different uh, secrets that tie together, but you have to be and initiate to understand what yeah. those symbols mean. And even if you understand those symbols, you still have to be able to put them together. In the right order right? to decipher it. Yeah. Like to actually know what it means. It, it's to me, alchemy is underestimated because it's called science. So what people I believe is that they're taught, like if you Google, what's the definition of alchemy or what is alchemy, the meaning of alchemy, they're going to just tell you, Oh, it's a uh, medieval science. You know what I mean? No. In the the mid mid ages, it's it, that's what they kind of like. You said it doesn't say that. No, no, I'm saying that. Yeah, that people aren't gonna understand it. Like they they. Yeah, they're not. They're because they're gonna look at it as oh, it's just they didn't know at that time. You know that they, they were putting shit and blood on it because they thought like shit and blood together would be so, so good, not knowing that it's actually spells and different or different ways of using elements around you to manipulate things. To sum everything up in a nutshell what you were saying joel 
behold said Boheme, and this is this was a, a a philosopher a german philosopher he will show it to you plain enough if you be a magus and worthy worthy else you shall remain remain blind still so again if you're that magus if you're that initiate you're gonna see it otherwise you shall remain blind still so this is what they you know this is what they were all getting at with the mystery of the cathedrals and again the mystery of the cathedrals is a whole another episode and the dwelling of the philosophers whole another episode this is just Fulcanelli, the entity or the man or whatever you want to call it and his its story right he's they them he's probably not you think when Fulcanelli changed <laughs> to a woman they called him Fluzanelli, like a floozy, Fluzanelli. <laughs> hey, Fluzanelli, what's up? And Fluzanelli be getting everybody head around here. Yeah, bro. <laughs> I don't know. He be getting everybody's interdimensional. They yeah. call her Jawbone. Got <laughs> <laughs> that strong uh, crimson chin over here, bro. <laughs> so that's what I got on Fulcanelli. You guys got anything else? I think this That's, was this this is a hell of a hell of an episode. You. you got something else? No, I said I, I. That's what I had too. No, I think you s- described it the best. Where it's like really four options of the possibilities. Like yeah. we haven't come to a conclusion because it's so difficult to actually come to a conclusion when you're forced to kind of take the word of a bunch of different people and then you're piecing it together. Plus, it was such a long time ago. We sound like we can interview a lot of these people, but I think you put a, a well. I think the champagne thing does make a lot of sense. Um, and I think if not, then it may be some kind of entity as well, yeah. like a combination. I think it's a co- probably a combination of all four answers you said. Remember, Sean and I's relationship got a lot stronger. After episode, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> Just remember that we're taking the word of alchemists. And what were alchemists known for? Cryptography. So take that for what you will, because I've had people... You know, on the Jay Widener episode, he's an alchemist. They're like, he never says what he's talking about. I go, since when have you known any alchemist to be straight up and straightforward? Yeah. Like, that's their whole thing, bro. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, they're not going to be straight up because they're alchemists. You know what I'm saying? You got to gotta earn it. You got to read the books. And... Well, they don't get that one, me, and Joel. It's just, you're the best it's true, man. Like, why, why would you believe a liar, though? That's like the people that are like, hey, he lies all the time, but this time he's telling the truth. <laughs> <laughs> so I got a button for you, bro. Homunculus confirmed. Eat a bag of dog dicks. <laughs> homunculus confirmed. Good God. A- <laughs> that's a homunculus. And this is my fair one right here. Ready, ready, ready? Certified mother <laughs> homunculus. <laughs> oh man like it, I like it. Right. the only thing i would add to that instead eat uh eat a bag of dogman dicks well <laughs> listen i'll tell you off air but yeah anyways let's plug our shit get the fuck out of here juan uh tjojp.com i am working on a member site so i did change the the url tj ojp the one-on-one podcast abbreviated.com find all my links on there and follow me on instagram at the one-on-one podcast kill the mockingbirds podcast on instagram kill the mockingbirds on telegram sean chris joel thomas on all your music streaming platforms as well as you can find kill the mockingbirds on all uh, platforms as well you will see probably a link tree at this you know and if you feel the urge to donate just here comes the money 
Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. You know what I'm saying? Let me just chill it up real quick for a second. No donate to Juan and Juan Podcast, Kill the Mockingbirds Podcast. Why not, bro? It's just a dollar a day, bro. And then that keeps the homunculus alive. We're trying to keep the homunculus alive. We're trying to get Gensaki back, you know, save the gingers. And we're trying to feed all the homeless lizard people. It's a lot going on in here. We need your help. Your support goes a long way. 90 patrons, bro. We're almost to 100 patrons. So shout out to all you patrons supporting the show. And yeah, send us. Send us some money for this because we had to read a lot of shit to, to get to this. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we'll catch you guys on the next one. Maybe ne the next one we'll talk about some Fallen Angel, Nephilim tech or something. We'll figure it out. So, as always, don't get me like you. that before we go off air. <laughs> Smile and wave, boys. Smile and wave. Bye. Corpo transparente.